I don't know about you, but I love things that are consistent. Anybody love consistent things? Like when you go to a restaurant, you want to know that the service and the food is always going to be good, or at least hopefully most of the time. You don't want to have like a great dining experience and then like, what was that the next time? I like friends that are consistent, you know, people that I can count on and Hopefully people can count on me as well. I like sports teams that I can count on. You don't have to win the Super Bowl every single season, but please, please be, be in contention somewhere. Amen? I love cars that are reliable. Gina and I have driven a lot of Toyotas and Hondas throughout our marriage because they're just steady and reliable and they're not too dramatic. You don't want a dramatic car. I think it comes from the fact that maybe my wife's first car was a Hyundai. And I know Hyundais are much better today, but back in the day when Hyundais first reached the shores of America, they were notorious for catching on fire. And Gina knew it was going to be bad when she drove the car home, when she drove the car off of the lot to her, to her personal residence, and she saw two cars the exact make and model on the side of the road with big flames coming out. She knew it was going to be bad. <clears throat> I don't know about you, but I love things that are consistent. Today we want to talk about something that is related to consistency. That's our walk with God. God wants us to have a faith that is steady and faithful and consistent God is not looking for people that are rock stars one moment and then they're off the wagon the next moment. God wants us to have a faith that is consistent and that is faithful. And I want us to look at a character in the Bible that we don't talk enough about. His name is Enoch. Enoch in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews 11.5, it describes him like this. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not experience death. And he was not to be found because God took him away. For prior to his transformation, he was approved, having pleased God. Now, Hebrews chapter 11 is quoting the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 5. And we know from the life of Enoch that Enoch was a man that never died. There's two guys in the Bible that never died, Elijah and Enoch. And Enoch walked with God. Is that's the commentary on his life, if you look at the book of Genesis. And he walked with God in such a faithful way that he never died. It was almost like God just said, hey, Enoch, we've been walking together all these years. Why don't you just come on over to my house? And he never went home again. <laughs> it says he was translated and they never saw him. We've been in a series called Nearsighted. We've been talking about how to get nearer to God, how to get closer to God, and how it would begin to change our vision and our perspective of our life and circumstances if we really saw the world from the nearness of God, from the perspective of being close to God. Enoch was the man who walked with God. Now, throughout Scripture, we've got David. He was the man after God's own heart. We have Elijah. He was the man of God. We have Abraham, he was the friend of God, but Enoch was the one who walked with God. And he walked with God in such a powerful and steady and faithful way. And I want to share with you four aspects of consistent, consistent faith, 
of having a consistent spiritual life. And you can pull out your notes and you can follow along with where we're going today. Number one is we got to walk with God. Now, the, the Bible describes walking as, as, as the lifestyle with which we live. So, so when the Bible talks about your walk, it, it, it's how you live. And if you think about it, your walk has a pace to it. It has a rhythm. It has a speed. It has a destination. Okay? There, there's an expectation. And the same is true spiritually. Did you know God has a destination for your life? That's the purpose and the calling that he has for you. God has a cadence. He has a rhythm. He has a pace with which he wants you to live. And the Bible doesn't describe the Christian life as a sprint, but it talks about it as a walk, as a walk. Because when you sprint, you got to rest for a while. But what, walking is something that we can do every single day. And God wants us to walk with him each day, consistently, faithfully, uh, over the course of our life. Um, Enoch walked with God an unusual amount of time. If you look at Genesis 5.22, it says, Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah, who is the oldest guy in the Bible, by the way, 300 years, and he had sons and daughters, and thus all the days of Enoch were 365 years, and Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Is 300 years a long time to walk with God? Would you say Enoch was pretty consistent, Right? Most of us, I mean, we're like, if we walk with God for a year or two or maybe like a decade, we feel like we've really, really, really done something. Enoch walked with God for 300 years. That's a long time. Now, you notice he didn't have his first kid till he was 65 years old. 65. See, it's never, it's never too late for you to start walking with God. We've had people give their lives to Christ in their 70s here at Edge Church. It's just never too late. God is not done with you just because you may be older. But I think it's interesting that Enoch started to walk with God after he had children. Can I get a witness? I mean, if anything will convince you of the doctrine of original sin, it is having children. If you ever doubted the doctrine, have kids. Have children. Look. So Methuselah is born... And Enoch gets religious. But when he gets spiritual, he's faithful, man. He's consistent. He, it doesn't say that he walked, that he thought about God, that he theorized about God, that he read about God. It says that he walked with God. He walked with him. He walked with him. And I want to know his secret. Because a lot of times we're on and off. But walking with God is a possibility. It really is. And uh, the Bible doesn't say that Enoch was the smartest guy. He was the most likely to succeed. He was the most athletic. He was the most charismatic. He was the most sophisticated and intellectual. He walked with God. It doesn't say he parted the Red Sea, was swallowed by a big fish, um, survived the lion's den, or, or built a big boat and lived through the flood. Nope. He walked with God. He walked with God. We don't know of any miracles that Enoch performed, but he did walk with the Lord. He was faithful. He was steady. And I wonder what the commentary on your life would be. You know, God forbid if you died today, what would people say about you? Would they say, you know, she was a great business person. 
Would they say uh, he, was a, he was a great neighbor? Would they say uh, they were so smart? What would people say about you? With Enoch, it was, this guy walked with God. He walked with God, he kept walking with God, and then he continued walking with God even more and more and more. He just kept doing it. Now you may be wondering, Pastor, really, did he live to be 365 years old? I don't know if you've noticed, but in the book of Genesis, people live a long time. And theologians and biblical commentators have, have, have theorized and, and debated and talked about that. I want to give you three theories that may relate to the... Um, lifespan of people in the Old Testament. Number one, some think that the human race may have been more genetically pure. You know, before Adam and Eve kind of messed it all up in the garden with the, with, with the, with the forbidden fruit. And uh, maybe people lived longer back then because the, the, the human race was not contaminated by sin. Um, another thought is that maybe the environmental factors change after the time of the flood of Noah. And we know that the flood of Noah has had a dramatic effect on the earth and and really changed a lot of things. If you look at the, the change in lifespan, people begin to live shorter periods of time after the flood of Noah. So that's a theory. Somebody else uh, once said that God may have allowed people to live longer on the earth to populate, to populate the earth because there weren't any people here. But what I want us to see most importantly is that Enoch walked with God. You may be thinking, okay, pastor, I got this. Like this was back in the Bible days, right? Like this was in the time when uh, people all were good and people did, did, did right and did good and all the women wore their hair in a bun and they had skirts that dragged on the ground and people spoke in the those and the thous. It was easy to live for God back in the day. No, 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 no. R read the book of Genesis. <laughs> you got... Adam and Eve bringing sin into humanity in Genesis chapter 3. You got Cain killing his brother Abel in chapter 4. You got the flood of Noah right after that. You got the, 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 the reason that the flood happened was because of the wickedness of people. You've got the Tower of Babel, which is the, 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 uh, one of the chief expressions of pride and arrogance in Genesis chapter 11. And all the way through the story, listen, people have always been screwed up. People have always been flawed. They weren't like better back then and, or worse back then. People have always, always, always had problems. Read about the destruction of the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. I mean, people have just, we've just always, people, people are, are wicked. We're sinful. We need a savior. We need God. And when we see the sin in our world, it should, it should remind us, it should teach us how much we need the Lord. I believe God is the answer to the problems that our nation and our world faces. We need God. We need God. We got to walk with God. And I'll tell you, I hope that you desire to walk with God in such a way that it compels other people to follow you in your walk. Uh, the Apostle Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Man, let's walk in such a big, bold way that we can, we can have others behind us follow us. You know, I don't know the answer to every marriage conflict, but I am convinced that perhaps the greatest thing that a married couple can do to keep a marriage together 
is to walk with God. Just to walk with God. I mean, I don't want to oversimplify it, but isn't it true that when the Holy Spirit is in your life and when God is stirring your heart and you're praying and you're trying to do the things that God wants you to do, uh, isn't, it, isn't it true that, that things tend to kind of go better at home and maybe with relationships we apologize more, we forgive more, we are more thoughtful we are more sensitive to the needs of our family and our spouse. We, we need God. And you know, it, it's interesting because men and women are just so different. And I think that's, that's why a lot of marriages struggle. Men and women are totally different. It's true. I was in the car the other day and my wife was kind of fidgeting and I said, honey, what are you doing? And she said, well, I'm taking off my shoes. And I said, well, why are you doing that? She said, because they hurt my feet. And I said, well, why did you buy them? She said, because they're cute. I, I don't think I've ever bought a pair of shoes that hurt my feet. You know, it's just not worth it. That's, that's the difference between men and women, though. And I know, I, see, I've been married more than 20 years. I can tell you, you got to pay a price to be beautiful, don't you? Right? See, I've been, I've been learning. I've been taking notes a little bit. It's worth it. To have your feet hurt, to be cute, oh, that's, that's totally worth it. Women will pay more money for their feet to hurt. You know, that's like the premium price, as long as, as, long as it's cute. Men and women are different. They really are. Uh, men are. Men are compartmentalized. You know, we can have a really bad day at the office, and we want to come home, and we just want to be with our wife. Our wives, on the other hand, they can have a really bad day and they're like, don't you touch me when you get home. And men and women are different. So how do we bring two different, two different, I almost said species, but, but I don't know if I meant species, but how can, I, how can we bring two totally different individuals together in the home? We got to walk with God. We, God is the divine glue that allows men and women through all of their differences and all their idiosyncrasies to bond and to connect and to have that home that, that we desire to have. When we walk with God, we'll have direction. When we walk with God, we'll have provision. When we walk with God, we'll have wisdom. And Enoch walked with God. Now here's the second thing that he did. Not only did he walk with God, he believed God. He was a man of faith. Okay, if you're going to have a consistent walk with God, you have to, you, you have to believe God. You've got to believe him. Look at it in Hebrews 11.5. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that, he, so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him by faith. Everybody say it with me, by faith. It was by faith. It was by faith, not by willpower, not by logic, not by intuition, not by chance, but by faith. It was by faith. See, when you live by faith, you're trusting God. You're believing God. You, you, you don't have all the answers, but you're looking to the one who does. And faith seems like, when we talk about faith, people think, well, faith is ethereal. Unicorns rainbows, faith, right? Like sometimes we just look into the heavens and say, well, what really is faith? 
It can seem so nebulous and hard to touch. But faith is something that can impact your own daily life every day. How can faith make a difference? Well, when you feel guilty. Maybe you look back at some bad choices that you've made and you think, man, I feel bad about that. Maybe some recent choices that you've made, you feel bad about it. Guilt. How does faith help us deal with guilt? Well, faith helps us understand forgiveness. The Bible teaches us that when we confess our mistakes to God, God forgives those transgressions. And that's, that's part of our faith. So faith helps me to not go, go around living under the weight of guilt and condemnation. What about stress? Stress. How can my faith help my stress? Well, because we all worry and we worry many times about things that we can't control and things that we have no ability to influence. We worry about those things. But <clears throat> worry is faith turned inside out. In other words, if you're a great worrier, you should be a great, you should be a great person of faith because it means you're thinking about it all the time. And worry is negative meditation. So what about instead of worrying about all the things that stress you out, and all of the what-ifs, and all of the things that make you anxious, what if you begin to turn your mind on the bigness and the greatness of God? And you turn negative meditation into positive meditation. So every time you start to go down the path of, oh my goodness, what's going to happen? This isn't going to work out. This is so bad. It's never been worse. I don't know what to do. You, start, you, you turn that around, and you begin to meditate, and you're like, you know what? I'm going to think about God. I'm going to think about God's power. I'm going to think about God's character. I'm going to think about God's nature. I'm going to think about God's purpose for my life. I'm going to think about this. And we begin to change the way that we look at things. That's how faith is so practical. Fear. A lot of people struggle with fear. Maybe you feel fearful. Um, a lot of times we feel fearful because we feel alone. We feel like nobody's there. But listen, no one will stick closer to us than God. God is the one who is always there beside us. So faith is not something that is um, obscure and difficult to, to experience. Your faith, your faith in the Lord is the thing that keeps you going, that, that keeps you praying, it keeps you believing, it, it, it gets you up in the morning, it allows you to sleep at night. We, we got to have faith. That's why Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, trust in the Lord Faith, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he'll direct your paths. Relationships do not work without trust. Marriages don't work without trust. Your walk with God cannot work if you don't trust God. How can you be consistent? How can we walk with God? We, we gotta be people of faith. We gotta believe God. We've got to believe him. Um, there is a mystery in our faith. I think sometimes Christians get too worked up about trying to understand all of the nuances and all the fine, fine print of what's going on in our life. And we think, well, I can't live by faith because I don't have all the explanations. I don't have all the answers. I, I don't have all of, the, all of the information. God, if you would give me more information then I would be able to have greater faith. But, but the very fact that we don't know so many things reveals to us the, the greatness and the character and the nature of God. 
if you could understand all of the nuances and all of the, all of the divine aspects of God, you wouldn't be human and God wouldn't be divine. So yeah, there's always a mystery. There's a, that's why it's called faith, by the way. Amen? We walk by faith. I'm trusting God. I'm not really sure what's going on in my life, but I, but I have faith and confidence in the one who does know, and his name is God. We've got to have that faith. See, God's mystery is really an adventure, not a disappointment. It really is. It's, a, it's an adventure. I, I love action-adventure movies. Anybody? I like things that blow up. I like action. I love, I love all of that. I'm, I'm for all of it. I was watching this, this uh, old scene of one of the James Bond movies. I think it was Skyfall. Did you guys see that one when James Bond is chasing the bad guy across the rooftops in Turkey? Was that amazing? I'm like, how did they do that? That was, that was incredible. On the rooftops, motorcycles. Whoa. Oh, my goodness. It reminded me of this old scene from um, The Dark Knight. Any Batman fans? Batman, he, he has his motorcycle and he weaves that cable underneath the, the semi and he flips Joker's semi. Are you kidding me? That was amazing. I love that. I, I think perhaps my favorite action movie scene is from a really old James Bond, though. It's from like the 1970s called Live and Let Die. Maybe you saw that one. I think I have it on VHS videotape. James Bond is in Louisiana. He's on this small little island in the middle of a crocodile farm. And the crocodiles are coming for him. And he's been left. There's nothing he can do. And they're like, you know, inching towards him. You know what James Bond does? He walks on the heads of the alligators. And he escapes. Love that. You know what? When you live the life of faith, you'll live a life of adventure. You'll see God's provision. You'll see God's power. You'll see God's strength in your own life. You'll see the leadership of the Holy Spirit. It's exciting to walk with God. This is not a burden, this is an opportunity. There's nothing more fantastic than seeing hearts and lives change and seeing God do impactful and powerful things. Uh, when you walk with God, you'll fight like Jason Bourne. You'll escape like J James Bond. You'll, you'll defeat the enemy like the Dark Knight. Man, it's so fantastic. But it starts, it starts with faith. So Enoch had a consistent relationship with God. He walked with God. He believed God. And check it out, he also shared God. Now, over in the book of Jude, uh, the, in the New Testament, it speaks of Enoch. And it says, now Enoch, who lived seven generations after Adam, prophesied about these people. And he said, look, the Lord is coming with thousands of his holy ones. He will bring the people of the world to judgment. And he will convict the ungodly of all the evil things that they have done in rebellion. And all of the insults and godless sinners that have spoken against him. Jude is recording for us. The fact that Enoch was a preacher. He talked to people about their need for God. He said, guys, listen, judgment is coming. You need a savior. By the way, that's why we need Jesus. That's why we need Christ. 
Because there is a day of judgment, there is a, a reckoning, there is a time at the end of time when, when God will choose to judge people who, who have known Christ and have not. And that's what he's talking about here. But I want you to see this most importantly, that, that, that Enoch talked about God. And isn't it true that when you walk with God, that you want to talk about God? Is that not the most normal outcome? Like, like I worry sometimes about Christians who never want to speak about the Lord. If I never want to speak about the Lord, then, then do I know the Lord? Because when you love somebody and you walk with somebody every single day, the most natural thing to do is to talk about that person. And that's why we talk about the Lord. When somebody says, hey, what'd you do this weekend? You know, hey, man, I was at church. I was at church. And you know what we talked about? We talked about how to live by faith, how to be more consistent. Isn't that exciting? I love to talk about the Lord. I do. Because I'm trying to walk with him the best that I can. When we started our first church in another state many years ago, long time ago, I did an informal survey. We had 30 houses on our street. Only two families that I could find went to church regularly. I was like, all right, Lord, here's the mission field. And we, we didn't have a church at the time. We were starting it. And so the people on my block became like my group. And a lady moved in across the street. Her name was Holly. She had a couple of kids, and her husband worked on Sundays, but she started coming to church. And her and her oldest daughter gave their lives to Christ and were baptized there at our church because we began to talk with them about the Lord. Another couple down the street was on the brink of divorce, and they, they came to church and gave their lives to Christ. My wife led them to the Lord, and... The last I've heard, they go to church every Sunday and God has completely reconciled their marriage and their lives have been transformed. It's amazing. It's amazing. Let's be people that talk about the most important thing of all. Listen, we're so good about talking about trivial things, but, but shouldn't we be talking more about the things that matter the most? Like Jesus and the Bible, and God's word, and the power of God in our life, that's what we need. And, and when we walk with God, it brings credibility to the things that we say. So let me ask you a question. If everybody in the office knew that you were at church on Sunday, would they be surprised? Or would they say, oh yeah, that, I would expect that. See, I think sometimes we're not talking about God because sometimes... There, there, there's, there's patterns or behaviors in our lives that we, we, we would be inconsistent. If people, if people heard me talk about God and they knew that I did all this, then, 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 then people would think that was weird. So we got to make sure that our, our walk with God is where it needs to be. But the, the most natural part of that is to talk about it. Like, I love to talk to people about God. And I know he's made such a big difference in my life. It's just, it's just kind of natural. Paul said to Timothy, um, but keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, and do the work of an evangelist. Now you notice he describes talking to people about faith as what? Work. <laughs> because you know what? The truth is, it's hard. 
to talk to people about faith, isn't it? It's challenging. I mean, if you're going to talk, especially somebody that's not a believer, and you're talking, that's, Paul said, do the work of an evangelist. It's much easier to crawl under the covers and read your Bible than it is to talk to your atheist neighbor about faith in Christ. Do the work, do the work of the evangelist. It's the hardest work that you'll do. You will pray harder. You will, you will have those difficult conversations. You will study so you think you know what to say. I mean, it, it's tough. It's tough. But, you know, I used to spend so much time worrying about what to say to talk to people about faith. And there is a place for that. But I also believe this. If you will walk with God, if you will walk with God, the things that you say to people will just be natural. Like it'll just come out of you. It doesn't have to be rehearsed or scripted or, 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 or organized like a sales pitch. It, it, it's not like that. You walk with God, you pray, you read the word, you're at church. You know what? Talking about God? How could I not talk about God? And then it just begins to just ooze out of you and it flows with you. This was, this was this man, Enoch. He talked about God. He, he had a winning walk. And he walked with God. And he talked to God. And you know what it did? It pleased God. It pleased God. If you love somebody, you want to please them. And this is what Hebrews says about Enoch. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken... He was commended as, say it with me, having pleased God. It pleased God. You know, when you love somebody, you want to please them. Elijah and Enoch pleased God. That's probably why they never died. But Enoch walked with God. And I don't think it was that Enoch was perfect. You know, sometimes you read about Bible characters and you're like, oh my goodness, I could never live up to that standard. How in the world could Enoch walk with God 300 years? But listen, I don't think that the Bible is challenging us to be perfect. By the way, we've already failed that. If you're trying to be perfect, you're going to be really frustrated. What God wants is perseverance. When you fall down and skin your knee, you get back up and you keep walking. Sometimes you trip and fall. Sometimes you walk down the wrong path. But God wants you to walk with him. Walk with him. Uh, a few years ago, my kids were younger, and, and my boy was playing soccer. And, and that season, I was voted uh, coach of the soccer team. I later promoted to basketball coach, much better. But that season, I was, I was doing some soccer. I don't know anything about soccer, but I, I, would, I would get the kids all fired up. I would give them like, kind of like a Braveheart speech before each game. And we're going to punch them in the throat. We're going to go. You know, and the kids are like, Yes. So we're in the championship game, but on the way over to the game, Zane said to me, he said, Dad, I haven't scored a goal all season, and Dad, I just want to score, man. I just want to score a goal. I was like, buddy, you can do it. This is your game. I believe in you. I mean, I've got him, like, he's on cloud nine going out there. So right after halftime, he scores a goal, and I mean, I'm jumping up and down. I mean, he's excited. And then we realized that he had scored for the other team. It's not supposed to go that way. 
It was a great shot, too. It was just the wrong goal. Wrong direction. And he was so bummed out. I pulled him over to the sideline. I said, you know what? I said, buddy, that happens sometimes. I want you to get back in this game, and I want you to finish. I want you to play your heart out, not got him all pumped up, you know, and redirected. And you know what? He played a great remaining part of the game. And, you know, I was so proud of him. I wasn't proud because he scored for the other team. I was proud that he played hard and he did the best that he could. And I think when Hebrews is talking to us about the life of Enoch and is saying, you know what, that his faith pleased God and that he walked with God, it's not that Enoch never made those mistakes, but I think when Enoch scored a goal for the other team, he got back up and he kept walking. And I hope that's your your aspiration today. I hope that's what you desire is to be a person that just, that your heart is in the hands of the Savior and you desire to give God everything that you've possibly got. And you know there's some good days and some bad days and sometimes things go the way they're supposed to, but a lot of times they don't. But you're going to live in the divine rhythm of God. You're going to keep walking. You're going to keep moving. You're not going to quit. Even though other people have laid down on their faith, you're going to keep moving with God. And you're going to fulfill every plan and every purpose that he has for your life. Let's be people who have a divine consistency as we walk with God, as we believe God, as we share God, and as we please God in all that we do. Let's pray together.